Well, what can I say about my guest today? I was talking to Tom Castley a while ago, and Tom is well known to regular listeners. And he said to me, Paul, you have to have Katie Miles on your pod. But she's not a sales leader, I said. <laughs> Get in early. She's going all the way to the top. And he was deadly serious. So today, I'm delighted to say, Katie Miles, you're very welcome to the podcast. Very excited to be here today. Katie, I see from your LinkedIn profile you went to school in London, so I'm guessing that you grew up in London. Would that be fair? That would be fair, yeah. Um, I'm London born, London bred, um, lived in West London my whole life. Um, I went to university in Manchester, but then the day I finished, I came straight back to West London and have been there ever since. Um, and both my parents grew up in West London, my grandparents grew yeah. up in West London. Um, so you could say my family uh, definitely got very settled there. As a as somebody who grew up in a very rural um, community, I'm always fascinated what it's like to grow up in a city like London, particularly, mm -hmm. and it was Ealing. I'm familiar with the, the area. I spent mm -hmm. uh, a couple of summers there. And, and, and what's that like? Because it's London is a place to me is you go down one rabbit hole and you come up another one and it's a different surroundings, but you're still in the same place. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, well, I'm just curious, what's that like? Mm. Uh, I loved it. Um, I absolutely love being in London. Um, I guess I haven't really known any different. I've always had mm -hmm. that fast paced way of life. Um, I was actually away last week and we were walking to dinner and um, someone that I was with grew up in kind of very rural um, Worcester. And they said to me, why are you in such a rush? And just everywhere I go, it's just always kind of been that life. But um, I, I loved it. Um, I went to an all girls school in London, um, made some amazing friends. Uh, are still my best friends now. Um, and it was just fun. When I was 14, we'd be kind of going into Notting Hill gay and would go to Camden for lunch and it wasn't really until I went to university and people kind of said wow you actually grew up in London as well that I kind of realized how lucky I was to have that um mm. but yeah it's it's been what I've always known and how do you think that's influenced you as a as an adult I mean I think for a lot of people that you know, we don't grow up in cities and kind of grow up in more of a rural environment. Um, it does seem to be the case with a lot of um, jobs that you end up having, you end up moving to London for that kind of thing. Even in my company now, most people have been from other places in the UK or from Ireland and they've moved over and they're now living in London. Whereas I guess I kind of always had that. Um, and so it's made it, I suppose, easier in a lot of ways to be able to adjust and to be able to settle into that. Um, into that life but I guess it's just kind of prepared me well for for mm. my adult life and for being in kind of the inner city mm. um and yeah having all my family as well also being in London I'm hugely grateful for that um a lot of a lot of my friends that are in a different situation you know they have to fly home to see their parents or they're getting on trains for hours and it's a once a month thing whereas I'm very very grateful to just be so close to all of my family and be able to just see them so easily Mm -hmm. Were there any clues in your early years, teenage years, that would have pointed to a career in sales? 
Um, I'll be honest with you, Paul, I didn't grow up dreaming of becoming an SDR after I graduated. I, I almost feel like until it got to the point of after university and a friend of mine was actually in sales and I was doing a job where I was working in property and it kind of a family friend very kindly got me some work experience there and it turned into a bit more of a job and I was doing some marketing and it was for a letting agency and then I fell into doing the letting side of things um, and it wasn't until that and a friend actually said to me I think you should check out this SDR thing I, I honestly I didn't know what it was I'd never really heard of it um, and that's how I ended up getting into it but my dad was and, and still is actually in sales um, so I did grow up always having that and, and knowing it was a career but it always felt like something that was quite quite distant almost. I didn't realize how you could get into sales or or how you could actually make a career of it. But yeah, like I said, my dad mm. was always in sales. So I always knew about that. What's it like to have a target? And I've seen him stressed. I've seen him traveling for meetings. I've seen him talking about deals. Um, so I did always have that. I'm curious, and I'm gonna ask this question. Um, <laughs> perhaps it's unfair <laughs> having seen your dad and you grew up with that and you saw him stressed and all of that what do you think somebody not necessarily your dad but if you're using him as a reference point somebody of that vintage in sales could learn about from your experience in sales and what can you learn from their experience in sales so I mean what well, what I could learn from someone with so much of that is a lot A lot of what I've learned from my dad, um, just again, using him as an example, is whatever industry you're in, um, in sales, whether you're selling technology or selling advertising, whatever it may be, the core fundamentals of what you're doing is going to be the same. Are you solving their problems? Are you solving their pains? Are you delivering value? How much value are you going to be delivering? So no matter what it is you're selling, those core fundamentals, I believe, are, are always going to be the same. And I think the main thing that I've learned and what it comes down to is ultimately, are you able to solve a problem for this person? And is that problem big enough for them to care about fixing it? And that's something that applies the whole way around. Um, and I think you can take that wherever, wherever you go. And as well as that, not just on the actual sales side of it, but such a huge learning point for me over the past few years has been the mindset of, of being in a role like this. Um, it's a huge, huge, huge mental game being in sales. It's, it's, a, it's super stressful um, and I'm far from perfecting it. But I think that's another thing that, again, you can apply that with whoever you're learning from or whoever you're teaching is how do you start to manage that, that mindset of sales as well. Mm. Where do you get your work ethic from? Um, I've always been a I've always been a grafter. Um, I I come from you know privilege, I suppose, but I was never kind of given. Oh, it's the summer holidays. Here's your pocket money. You know, go out and have a good time. Since I was probably about fourteen, I've worked in every holidays we've had. I've had jobs on the weekend while I was in school growing up, and then um, ever since then, I mean. When I was about, it was probably when I was 16, I used to work in an ice cream shop, but it was open until half one, 2 a.m. So 
which I know sounds a bit funny for an ice cream shop, but um, my dad would, he'd drop me there, he'd pick me up at 1.30 in the morning from my shift, but he wouldn't give me the money to do it. And so I think being a hard worker and being a grafter is something I've just always had installed in me. And I love the independence of it, you know? I'm not relying on someone else, I'm relying on myself, I'm relying on my hard work, and that's how I can get to do the things that I do today. Talk to me then about the mental side of things. You mentioned a few moments ago about sales can be quite stressful. And I noticed you you had a post on LinkedIn about grit requires self-care. Mm -hmm. uh, talk to me about that, what you've learned over the last couple of years about where where the pressure comes from and how you, how you manage it. Mm -hmm. I'm the sort of person that worries about something before it's happened. Um, I, I've always had that. That's not just a sales thing. That's something I grew up with. Um, I'm a warrior. I'm an anxious person and learning to deal with that over the past, probably, you know, 10, 15 years of my life has been, has been something that's been huge for me. Um, you know, I think that being able to speak up about those kind of things is really important. Um, I've had, you know, I've had CBT to learn how to better deal with anxiety. And that's something that I now apply to every bit of my life. But it all kind of comes down to being in a mindset of getting to that point where, okay, there is something, you know, there, there are always going to be worries in life, but how can you get to a point where you're not going to worry about it until it's actually happened and you're in the moment and you're dealing with it? Um, that one of my favorite quotes is, my life has been full of terrible misfortunes most of which have never actually happened. Um, and I just think it is so true, isn't it? You know, all of this time and energy we spend worrying. Um, and one of the most important things for me that I just, I have to be consistent with, it's become a daily ritual for me is, is exercise, um, getting out there. Some days, yeah, that can just be a long walk. Other days, you know, getting a, a sweat on, getting the endorphins um, going and, that has just become something which is a non-negotiable for me. I have to make time for it because it's how I, I end up managing um, things. And as well as that, something else I've been practicing um, for the past few years now is mindfulness. So just mm. trying to be really, really present in what I'm doing. Um, mindful brushing your teeth, mindful walking, looking around and trying to ground yourself with things like nature um <laughs> living in london forever there's not too much of that but you know you go for a walk and you, you look at what's around you you feel how you feel mm. and just trying to get to that present point of what's actually going on now not okay this bad thing might happen in six weeks time interesting uh, I, i'm really curious about this uh and so i wanted to ask you well, you talked about being a worrier and I'm coming from this question from a point of view of sometimes I wish I were, I'm mm -hmm. not. And, mm -hmm. and that can be, that has benefits, but it also has downfalls in terms of I leave things to the last moment, things I should probably <laughs> think about and, and, and worry about I don't, and therefore it can bite you in the ass. So, so I, I could see both sides to it. I'm curious mm -hmm. to know, is the worrying thing, do you think, is that something that you always had as an innate or... I'm wondering, is it is it a is it a response to something in your environment? Maybe when you were younger, you've obviously looked into it and read up on a lot as well from your yeah. own personal discovery. Talk to me more about that. I am genuinely mm -hmm. interested in it. Mm. 
I mean, I think what you said there, you know, sometimes you wish you were a bit more of a warrior. I've always thought of it as my biggest strength and my biggest weakness. Um, it's, it's obviously a weakness because it can be, it's horrible to be down that spiral, down mm. that rabbit hole of worry and anxiety, but it's a lot of what drives me as well. Um, on the first day of the month when I'm worrying that I'm not gonna hit quota, that's what, that worry is what drives me. And I know that sounds ridiculous. And um, one of my mentors, um, that's something we've spoken about a lot is, you know, Katie, come on, it's the third day of the month, you're being ridiculous. But that is what drives me. And that is a strength in, in so many ways for me. Um, but I think that kind of in, in discovering that it's, it's being, it's acknowledging it. Um, it's being able to speak up about it when it's necessary. And it's also trying to sometimes kind of box it. I mean, we're in, you know, a very stressful role. Anyone in sales has signed, has signed up for that life. You know, you like it or not. Mm. Constantly having a quota of your head is something that is worrying. Um, but being able to manage that, I think, is just super important. And I mean, it's not just work that's a worry. You know, when you're one of these sort of people, everything can become a worry. Um, but yeah, learning how to cope with that mindset and learning how to manage that is yeah, like it's super important for being successful for me. It sounds like the answer to it is is to find those control elements, the the mm -hmm. the uh, mindfulness, the the running, getting those natural endorphins that mm -hmm. seem to put it. Okay, interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, control the controllables. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's it. I think and that's to do that consistently. Also, mm -hmm. I would imagine requires a lot of discipline because mm -hmm. it would be easy to kind of throw your hands up in the air and submit to the worry rather than mm -hmm. say, okay, you know, you sit over there and you listen. Mm -hmm. yeah. Completely. And, uh, you know, control the controllables. I know it's a bit of a cheesy saying and it kind of gets thrown around a bit. Mm. But if you can get to the point where you're almost, okay, what are, I've got this bad situation. What are the 10 things within this situation that I'm worrying about? I've got a list. Now I'm going to cross off everything that is out of my control because I can't do anything about that. And I'm just going to focus on the things that are in my control. So mm. just being able to have this almost like, you know, rucksack of tips or backpack of tips of things that you can apply, super important. Um, mm. And I, you know, I know that I'm definitely not alone in this. So many people I speak to are very similar and being able to have this arsenal of um, tips and tricks is okay. Mm. What motivates you most about what you're doing currently? So what I'm doing currently, I mean, I'm at Outreach um, as an account executive. Um, I'm, I'm competitive and I always have been. Um, I, I like to win. I like to be at the top. Um, it drives me. Um, I care as well about what I suppose I care as well about what people think about me. I like to be kind of known and thought of as someone that's someone that's great. And in that way, that kind of that keeps me competitive and it keeps me constantly driven and, and hardworking and, and learning as well. Um, but alongside that as well, I mean, you asked about at the moment what motivates me. I mean, at Outreach, I I really feel kind of fueled by this this like genuine mission in what we're actually doing and i know that sounds crazy you know a mission or it's a technology company but i truly believe that what we sell and the what we do for for businesses and for sales organizations is 
essential and that everybody needs it. And I find that really motivating in what I do because I'm super dedicated to getting the customers that I work with to also kind of feel that, feel that energy and feel that need to have a product um, like Outreach as well. It's interesting you should say that. I was reading an article recently with somebody and they were talking about cold call reluctance. And mm. they were saying that if you believed, for ex if you had come up with a cure for an incurable disease, for example, mm -hmm. and you, ha you knew this was going to help people, would you have any trouble calling up people to say, look, this is a, a serious problem. Mm -hmm. We, I have this cure for it. Give me two minutes. Yeah, mm -hmm. you, you seem to you seem to have that zeal about your relationship with strangers. Completely, yeah. Um, and I love that analogy with cold calling. You know, if you truly believe in it, you want people to hear about it. Um, and that goes back to what I mentioned earlier. Of you know, one of the things I've learned in selling is you're solving problems for people and. The problems that I that we are solving are, you know, crippling businesses. They're keeping people awake at night. They're, I truly believe that what we do does solve those problems for people. Um, and that is why, yeah, I guess it's the, the pill mm. to people's headaches, I guess. Um, and that is why I'm just so motivated to, to be here and to do well here as well, which mm. I, I think it's really cool as well that, you know, I'm selling something that I use every day. Um, it, it helps with that motivation as well. Um, I feel every day I'm just so grateful mm. that I'm able to do this and work here. Mm. Would you say then it would be very difficult to sell something that you didn't believe in to the same extent? I do, yeah. Mm. Um, I, I would struggle to be at a company where I didn't believe in their, in their mission and believe in what they mm. are selling. Um, I you know i've i've joked before with old managers that my job is i know this is, <laughs> this is embarrassing to say but my job is also my hobby in a way um <laughs> and i know that sounds like oh okay i hope my manager's listening and, and is hearing that but it is and it's true i've become so invested in what i do and so kind of dedicated to it that i would find it difficult selling something that i didn't believe in and mm. you know um, i love what i do now but i'm I'm 24, it's probably not gonna be the company that I retire at. And I'm sure I've got loads of opportunity ahead of me. And that is something that I would look for wherever mm. the future does take mm. me as believing in the mission and the company I'm with. Where does your competitive spirit come from? Um, I did, going back to school, I mean, I was involved in sports teams, um, I, did reasonably well at school as well um but i almost don't think that my competitiveness comes from those type of things it comes from i guess a, a pressure that i put on myself to do well um i've never had to have my parents my teachers my managers putting that kind of pressure on me to win and to be the best it's it, it's just something that i put on myself that's, I, I'm really fascinated by this because I see it in my own daughter versus, mm. say, my sons, where, again, we, the, the, she was one of three children. We never, ever had to, say, do your homework. And, like, if she came home and she got second in the class, she'd be in a <laughs> bad humour all day. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I don't know because we never put that pressure on her. Maybe it's just something that's innate. Um, yeah. Who knows? It's, uh, if, you, if you could bottle it though. Mm. <laughs> yeah, if I could bottle it up and sell it. Um, mm. But yeah, it, it is, it's innate. It's just, it's something I've always had. And um, yeah, I'm just very mm. kind of self-motivated and self-pressured, I suppose, to mm. to be competitive and to, mm. to be the best. I'm wondering, is, is, is it an antidote to the worry thing? Not necessarily though, because I think people who have it, not, not, not everybody is anxious, not everybody is competitive. And I don't know that there's any correlation between the two. Mm. Um, I'd be interested if there was a study on it, but I genuinely don't know. Uh, tell me, <laughs> Katie, who inspires you? Who inspires me? Um, well, uh, so at the moment I'm um, training for the for the London Marathon, um, and I've been taking yeah <laughs> first. Is one, this your first? Yeah, I've got the half marathon in June, and then um, I've yeah. got the full marathon. So I've been training for that. So I've been taking a lot of inspiration from well, some of the best. Um, yeah. Been reading about Courtney Dowater, um, doing 100 mile runs, going blind for the second half, and still managing to do it. Which, yeah, maybe not, maybe not just yet for me. Yeah. Um, but I've been taking a lot of inspiration from that and uh, trying to get motivated for that. Mm. And um, well, one of the reasons that I am doing the marathon. Otherwise, other than it being um, a huge personal challenge, a kind of you know a fitness goal and all of that type of thing, um, I'm running it for Brain Research UK, um, and the reason I'm doing that is because a few years ago my mum had a brain tumour, um, and she, she's okay, and she had you know a life-saving operation, and mm-hmm. um, it's the type of charity that is well, it's innovating into life-saving treatments and surgeries and that type of thing, so. I'm also very inspired by by my mum going through times like that, coming out stronger. Um, she she went back to university last year at the age of 49 to train to be a nurse, <laughs> um, which is pretty amazing. Um, you know, having that much of a career change and literally going back to uni to be an NHS nurse at that age as well. Hope she doesn't listen to this and get annoyed that I shared her age on a podcast. Um, but yeah, I just find that hugely inspirational that she's doing that. So, so it's your, in, in that you're saying your, your, your mother was a big part of your inspiration in, in doing the marathon, other mm. than the fact that it's a challenge and you just, it's there and you have to do it. Because <laughs> yeah. that's the other thing I've often found is people who have that mindset is they'll set, they don't necessarily wait for life to throw challenges at them. They'll, they'll actually put them in front of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would also assume, knowing the little I know about you, that you now also have a target time for your marathon. Want to share that? <laughs> so just set a bit of pressure for yourself. <laughs> I, I want to do below four hours. Um, we've got a training oh, program in place. Um, I'd love to do something around the three hour 50 mark. Um, mm. Yeah, and you know me. You know I've set that target for myself. So here's, some, here's some inspiration for you, Katie. I did it in 4.20 at 42. So if okay. I can do it at 42 in 4.20, you can do it uh, in, certainly in under four, no question about it. When I get to mile 20, I'll have that playing over in my mind. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I remember getting to the 20-mile mark and I, I was falling apart. And I look beside me and there's this 70 year old lady just trotting along. (laughs) 
and like you know just when you feel like you're gonna get you're kind of going how can you it's just yeah. that's yeah um, can't be having that overtake you you can't be having that no certainly not um, <laughs> talk to me about what your your own personal definition of success is my personal definition of success um well success to me is is consistency um being occasionally fantastic and other times not is i, I don't i don't think that's true success i think true success is being able to consistently be great um, are, are you consistently performing? Are you consistently doing well? And being able to have that as something that is, is repeatable, I suppose, and is, is like scalable for yourself and for others mm. around you as well. But I think that true, true success can't be achieved without happiness. I mean, what is being the richest person in the room or what is being the top of the leaderboard or whatever it is, driving the best car or wh whatever it is. What is that if you're not truly happy? And I think that the two of them come hand in hand together. Am I mm. successful? Am I doing well? But also does happiness come alongside that? Mm. And when are you at your happiest? I'm a people's person. Um, I'm at my happiness when I'm around, I'm around my loved ones. Um, I'm out for dinner with the girls. I'm out for a Sunday roast with my family. I'm out for a drink with my boyfriend. Um, I, I love, I, I've got a very amazing group of friends and my, my colleagues as well have now become some of my closest friends. Um, and that is when I'm at my happiness, um, when we're together. And it's probably a, a, a slightly different question is when are you at your most content? Hmm. Um, I'm at my most content when, I guess it kind of goes back to the last question that you asked me, when, when I feel consistently good at something. Mm. Um, I'm always reaching for that next, next thing, that next, that next goal, that next month, that next whatever it may be. And when you kind of, and it is hard to get to that place, I suppose, of, okay, am I feeling like I'm consistently quite good at this? Mm. I think that's when I feel pretty content, um, which is easier said than done. Mm. Is there a subject you can think of that you wish you'd studied in school? Mm, that I wish I studied in school? I mean, well, <laughs> coming into the working world, taxes were quite a shock for me, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> um, getting that payslip and trying to work out what all these numbers and deductions were everywhere. Um, I, I do think it is just crazy that that isn't taught because it is just the biggest shock ever when you get out of school. Um, I did I did my degree in history, which is something that I think everyone should learn at some point. Um, not only is it so interesting, but it teaches us so much about not making the same mistakes again, um, which I think we're seeing all around the world at the moment. Um, but it also just, in, in also thinking about your other question of who inspires you, just the work that people have done to get to where we are today. I also find that incredibly inspirational um, and something that people should also know about. 
Talk to me a little bit, Katie, about your own personal vision for the future. What will that be like when you're 40, 50, 60? Where do you, sounds cheesy, I don't know where you want to be career-wise, but just if you were to think about how you exist when you're older mm -hmm. and what mm -hmm. that'll be like for you. What's your, what's your wish for the future? Mm -hmm. My wish for the future is is happiness, um, contentment, um, fulfillment. Um, I want to have a career ahead of me that fulfills me. I want to have relationships with those around me that make me content. Um, I want to be a happy person. I haven't always mm. been a happy person and I want that in the future. Um, I want to continue to keep on learning. Um, at, at the moment, I'm picking up something every day, um, mm. just like a, you know, again, a mm. bit cheesy, but I feel like a sponge at the moment, I'm constantly learning. And that's something that I don't ever want to get to a point where that like plateaus or I get satisfied with, oh, okay, I've done well now. I'm just going to keep on going. I, mm. I love that continuously learning, trying to be better. Um, and that's what, that's what I want mm. for myself. I mean, mm. Career-wise, I've got a lot of aspirations ahead of me as well. Um, I, well, at the moment, I work in the in the SMB space, so doing, you know, the, the smaller of the deals that, that get done. But I'd love to work up to start to do bigger stuff, um, commercial enterprise deals. I'd love to go into management, into leadership. Um, mm. Hopefully, one day, Paul, you'll see Katie Miles, Chief Revenue Officer. Um, a few years well, before that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, like I said earlier, what is all of that success if I'm not mm. filled with my life and I'm mm. content and I'm happy? Mm. You said something a moment ago that just piqued my curiosity. You said you weren't always a happy person. In as much as you're comfortable with, can you talk to me about that? Mm. I mean, anxiety and worry is something that I've, you know, I've had for m most of my teenage um, adult life. Um, it's gone through kind of waves. Sometimes I've been worse, sometimes I've been better. Um, there's been, you know, some other things like uh, as well with kind of, um, I suppose mental health. Um, and you know, it's, it's interesting to, I'm, I'm sure, you know, 90% of the world almost I'm, I'm privileged I'm lucky I've got all of these great opportunities but when you're in that kind of that spiral in that dark place it's, it's hard to get perspective on things um, mm. and that's also something that I've worked a lot on is perspective mm. oh okay you've lost this deal and it feels like the end of the world mm. but actually you're in your flat which is warm you've got food in your fridge you've got running water get some perspective on things it's never the end of the world mm. um, but yeah, like I said, it's it's been something mm. that I've always I've always found hard. Um, I've seen people about it. I've, yeah. Like I mentioned earlier, I've had CBT. Um, yeah. I've been on tablets in the past, um, mm. and I feel like now I've got to a place in my life where I am genuinely more more content. I'm more happy. Mm. Um, mm. I feel a lot more at peace with who I am. Um, and you know, obviously yeah. I have bad days, I have bad weeks, yeah. but 
I feel a lot older. more peace with things. Yeah, that would probably indicate why you 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 have this uh, strong desire to maintain consistency and control as well, because you've reached this platform now where you've mm -hmm. got that level of happiness and contentment. You know mm -hmm. what it's like. And, uh, and I get it, this, this is a theme that comes up regularly on the podcast around mental health. I think our modern work life is not always kind to us and it's not always no. suitable. And I think our environment has changed so much. I mean, I, you, know, you know, my first job was in early 80s and there was no mobile phones, no internet. Mm -hmm. Pace of life was a lot slower. When you went home, you switched off. And, and I know, and, and, and to speak to your point about, you know, you can be, you, um, yes, we, we're, we're all privileged. When you wake up in the morning, you're healthy. That's privilege. To be born in this part of the world is a privilege. To be reasonably yep. intelligent is a privilege. We have them mm -hmm. all. But when you're in that place, and, and I've been there myself, is none of that seems to matter. Mm -hmm. you're, you're in a place, and, and sometimes it just takes time and... And, and the right support and people around mm -hmm. you just to mm -hmm. give it time and then you'll find your path but mm -hmm. um it's it's I, I just always you know like to say to anybody else who's feeling that and particularly in sales because it is such a high pressure environment and it can be a very lonely place if it's not working for you and you don't know why and you could be yeah. a great performer one day you wake up another for whatever reason stuff in your own personal life mm -hmm. and you just can't find that that switch mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. and that's why I think it's so important for people to share those stories and to kind of say, look, it's okay. Exactly. Exactly. Like when I, you know, just to your point though, it can be a lonely place. When I was in my first SDR job and I was kind of struggling, like, oh, oh God, I don't really know what I'm doing. Like I'm having a bad month, like whatever it may be. And mm. I was almost looking around the office and everyone was like laughing and joking. And it got to the point where I was feeling like, God, am I crazy for feeling like this? Am I the only one that's not doing well? And then since I, I I try and be as honest about how I felt and how I feel as possible because you know if if like one person listening gets the thinks oh okay like that, that's not what it's like and then you can talk about it and be open about it I think it's so important and like your mental health is obviously such a, a huge topic um mm. and being being open about it and honest I think is like you said just just so important and not feeling alone mm. um I wanted to, what I'm curious about, Katie, is coming back to work for a moment. And I know you, you shared with me your, your mm. approach. There's a, you know, there's a strong work ethic. There's a strong focus on the, the being, being in mentally the right place and in good shape and taking care of that. That's, that's a really important thing. Talk to me about the learning side where you're developing and growing your skill sets? Because I know you're involved in the Sales Impact Academy, so yeah. you're now in that role of, of giving back and teaching as well. But mm -hmm. your own, talk to me about your own, because you, looking at your LinkedIn profile, you don't spend a lot of time in a job before you're promoted to the next one. So you're, <laughs> you're, you're, it's, it's more than just bringing in the right energy and mentality and work ethic. There's clearly a skill set's been developed Talk to, I, I, and I want to know what, how, how you go about that and what you've learned. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I'm doing the, the cold call coaching with Sales Impact Academy now. And I absolutely love doing that. Um, passing on a bit of what I've learned from the outbound, the SDR role, um, 
but yeah, like you said, there's still an incredible amount that I need to be learning about what I'm doing now and getting to that next step. And I think something that is so important is leaning on and learning from those around you. Um, I spent a lot of my time just listening back to other people's calls that they've had. Every time I hear a good question, I've got a Google Doc and I'm writing on that Google Doc and then I'm thinking, how can I ask that in my next call? And learning around from the people around you is so important. Okay, what's the best person on your team doing and how can you copy that and start to do exactly what they're doing to see the same results? Um, and I think also asking for that help when you need it is so important. Um, if you're struggling with something like don't suffer in silence, ask your manager, ask someone and like everyone is is keen to help you. I think, um, you know, I think almost like stereotypically, I suppose people think salespeople are out for themselves and they just want to do the best for themselves and whatever that, you know, connotation is there. But that is not the case at all from what I've seen. Everyone mm. I speak to is willing to give a bit of their time to help you. And that's not just internally. You know, I message people on LinkedIn. I meet up with people from other companies um, and everyone is there to kind of give their six pence and give their help. And there's some amazing um, podcasts, obviously this one as well, but other ones that you can listen to, you pick up one little thing. Um, but alongside, I suppose, leaning on your, your peers for that is any time you can get with your leadership team, get involved with that. Um, some of the best things that I've learned have been with like one-to-ones with VPs. Um, I'm, you know, they have an office hours, go along. Just basically what I'm getting at here is shout about it when you want some mm. help and throw yourself in the deep end, um, 100%. When one of our, um, our, when our VP from the US was over a few months ago, I had a one-to-one -one session with him and he gave me one of the best pieces of kind of sales advice that I've just like kind of in, thrown myself into lately and that was you know when you're asking kind of a, a discovery call I suppose um and you find a gold coin on the beach don't just um grab that gold coin and, and run away with it you know you've got that nugget of information what that probably means is there's a treasure chest underneath and now you need to start digging and getting to that treasure because one coin spilled over but there's loads more mm. underneath it and just things like that that's just that's just something that i've learned lately that really mm. stood out to me it strikes to me that there's seems to be a thread between how you've managed your own l space in life and how you've learned to do that and how you've had to do that and that you've taken that over into the workspace the idea of looking for help not keeping it to yourself that you're not alone mm. that those mm -hmm. same life lessons you learned outside of work are also uh, applicable in terms of managing your own development and your own career path would that be a mm -hmm. fair observation that is a fair observation yeah um i think i wear my heart on my sleeve i suppose i'm not one to kind of bottle things in and i'm loud about it when i when i need help and i need something um and yeah i think that is a fair that's something that i haven't actually thought of before um mm. but when you say it like that 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 is true mm. and i think you learn things by well i know you can obviously learn things by reading a book or whatever it may be but yeah. i learned from doing and i learned from yeah. speaking and everyone's got yeah. their own learning style yeah. um but that's mine yeah. now i'm smiling here because when you said about shouting out for help <laughs> i had this image you're sitting at your desk you're going over here over here i, I need some <laughs> No, that's arms. not. <laughs> um, what have you learned about leadership 
sales leadership specifically from observing those sales leaders around you? Um, I've, I've had the opportunity to work with some incredible sales leaders. Um, Mick Gossett, my manager now, um, Tom Casley, Caitlin Kelly, Molly Grossman. Um, they're just one of the, some of the ones that I've worked very directly with. And there's a common trait through all of them. And that is, I think, empathy. Um, they all are, they care basically. And feeling like you've got someone in your corner is hugely valuable. Um, you know, whether that be not only navigating a deal that you might be working, but in sales, and this is something I didn't realize there'd be so much of before I came into the role, there's a huge kind of like internal process to be navigating as well. There's so many internal stakeholders as well as external ones. And having someone in your corner to kind of like, not fight that with you, but support you through that and guide you through that is something that is hugely important. Mm. Um, and all the all the amazing sales leaders I've worked with as well have not just been leaders, but they've been teachers. Um, mm. And I almost kind of look at them and I think I could pick you up and I could put you into a classroom and you'd be able to teach a lesson like a teacher as well. Um, they tell amazing stories when they when they teach and they get you inspired and having that that ability to be able to not only be empathetic and to teach people, but be able to actually inspire them. Okay, is this the sort of leader that I I want to do well for? At, at the moment, I'm bringing in my number um, and I'm not just actually bringing it in for myself. I care so much about my manager also being successful because I feel so inspired to work for him that I'm also bringing in my number because I want him to be able to do well as also and obviously the, the whole business. But um, I think being able to have that where you're building relationships to that extent is just something so important in, in leadership. Okay. A couple of quick questions, Katie, before we finish up. Um, the question I ask everybody is, if your house were burning down, assuming your family are safe, pets are safe, your, your computer and your phone are safe, and you had time to run back in and grab one object, one item that was important to you, what springs to mind? Um, when I graduated, my parents wrote me the most lovely card um, ever just about, and on the front of the card it says, the world is your oyster. And it's just like the most inspiring, kind of proud words. Um, and I love reading that whenever I'm having a, a rough one or just, you know, whenever you need the extra kick, um, I'd grab that. I love that. <laughs> and then finally, when your time on this planet is done and they erect a statue outside Outreach Headquarters, Katie Miles, OBE, <laughs> um, what would you like that plaque to say underneath? <laughs> Katie Miles, Chief Revenue Officer. Ooh. <laughs> I love it. There's, there's, there's a consistency there in, and there's a theme running through this for sure. And I have no doubt you won't have to wait too long for that to happen. Katie Miles, thank you so much for being my guest on the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Paul.